Emily Abin, the creative partner for worship at the local church, and you are listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina. We gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in person at Woods Charter School in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke in the New Testament, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told him this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. And just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. The parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. one of my car keys. Happened to you? Yeah? Uh, and it's actually one of those um, that's, that's a key fob, right, with the key tucked inside uh, so that I can just push button start my car, you know, as long as the key is inside in the vicinity. Um, and uh, the good news is that I had a spare, so that's the good news. Um, but the bad news is that the key fob I lost, I actually lost it inside my car which I did not know was a thing that you could do, but I did. I lost my keys inside my car. I realized that I'd lost the key fob inside the car the day that I walked out of my house without Mike's keys and the car still started. That was odd. Uh, Admittedly, there are worse places to lose your car keys, but this one was just plain annoying because Subaru, uh, and this is a great thing, Subaru doesn't want you to lock your keys in your car, right? And so uh, they make it difficult to actually lock your car when the keys are inside, which is understandable, and that's great, but it's an issue primarily because if the door's unlocked and I have to go somewhere, that means theoretically someone could just waltz right in start the car and, and leave because the keys were already there inside somewhere. I didn't know where. It was, it was maddening. 
You guys, it, I spent hours, and, and I'm prone to hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating here. Hours. Spent hours tearing my car apart, looking everywhere for the missing key fob. I was sweating so much. I was contorting my body in strange positions, trying to peek through the upholstery without tearing it, slamming the car doors in frustration and all to no avail. Natalie, my wife, even drove my car to Richmond, and her dad spent hours looking for it too. And he couldn't find it. I was searching Google and Reddit for some sort of solution, some sort of answer, trying to figure out how I might locate it that didn't involve buying a radio frequency detector from Amazon and a bunch of sheet metal from Lowe's, which was one of the suggestions on on Reddit. Um, Although I can't even begin to tell you how close I was to purchasing a radio frequency detector from Amazon and a bunch of sheet metal from Lowe's that would have set me back a couple hundred dollars. But instead, I opted for a a new flashlight from Lowe's, Um, brighter flashlight. I picked it up, I took it home, I put batteries in it, gave one final sweep of the car, nothing, still nothing. So I just decided to give up and go to bed. Only for my wife, Natalie, to walk outside mere minutes later and mere minutes after that return holding the key. Like it was nothing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I share this story because this morning is all about the breathless striving and searching and alternatively being found. More on that in a bit, but first I want to echo what Leah offered so beautifully this morning uh, and welcome you, welcome you here to this place, uh, to the local church. My name is Brent, the great joy of serving as the pastor, and, and we want you to know, as Leah said, your presence is a gift to us, just as you are. And we hope for three things every time you intersect with the local church in any way, in any capacity, that you feel affirmed, anchored, and empowered. We want you to feel affirmed in your humanity as the beloved child of God that you are, anchored in the good news that we share together this week and uh, each and every week and empowered to take that good news into the world and to love where you are, affirmed, anchored, and empowered because the world needs it. The world needs it. And by God's grace, our communities and our world can be transformed, renewed, put a little more right because the time, the room that we create here each and every week has the power to change us and change our world if we let it. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey or on no journey at all, you have a place here at the local church. We want you to know that we're more whole with you. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, love to do so after the service. You should also have in your chairs a card um, that'll tell us a little bit more about you. uh, And more importantly, on the back, if you have any prayer requests, prayer concerns, we we want to uh, pray with you and for you. We make that a commitment. And so um, you can bring those forward a little bit later. Um, if you, uh, if you have a prayer, you can also, uh, there should be a number. You can text a prayer request to this number here. Um, if you have a prayer request that is confidential and we will pray with you and for you. Today is a big day for us here at the local church. We're launching a brand new series that we're calling Grow Local. Grow Local. It's a series that sets an intention for us. It's a series that sets an intention for us, both as individuals and as a faith community. We want to be a people who grow local. And over these next five weeks, we'll explore what that means. We'll put some flesh on it. In short, we're inviting good, deep, holy questions, introspective questions about what sorts of seeds have been planted in us, about the sort of roots 
that we're putting down, about the fruit that we're bearing. It's a way of asking, how are we growing in depth as followers of Jesus? How are we growing in depth toward greater love of God and neighbor? So that we might then grow in breadth outward toward a world of peace and justice and equity and belonging for all of creation. What sort of growth is God giving us? What growth do we need to tend to? And as we ask and ultimately respond to these questions, we'll chart a course for what it means to be followers of Jesus in this context, in this season, in this time, and in this place. And it's the perfect day to kick off this series because today is the third anniversary of uh, our, our launch of weekly worship for the local church. Birthdays, birthdays are tricky for us here at the local church because there's no single day that we officially launched, like put a flag in the ground and said, we have begun. Instead, it was more of a rolling start for us. Uh, but three years ago this week on September 15th, 2019, we held our first official Sunday morning worship service down in Pittsburgh at House of Hops. Uh, there I preached in front of the bar. Sweet baby Jesus was on tap for later in the day. Um, uh, our bathrooms were hidden behind a giant wall of beer. The kids were cozy in the back corner. And we gathered with 140 of our closest friends that morning, including some of you in a space that wasn't at all made to fit 140 of our closest friends. Uh, and we did it anyway. And it was beautiful. It was chaos. Yes, it was also beautiful. Beautiful chaos. And the Holy Spirit was in it all. And she didn't stop. Since then, by God's grace, we've weathered a pandemic and resettled Afghan refugees and collected thousands on thousands of diapers for area families in need. We've launched an anti-racism team and sent blessing bags in solidarity to healthcare workers and weary teachers, friends in our community who are unhoused, students at Durham Tech who could use a little extra support after giving birth to a child. We've also donated thousands of dollars to support the incredible work of community partners like CORE and the Farm at Penny Lane and Chatham Education Foundation and Refuel and Love Chatham and many, many others. You did this by God's grace. You did this in three years and it's been incredible. Thanks be to God. And we're just getting started because here's the thing. Up until July 1 of this year, in the eyes of the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, that's our connectional and denominational affiliation, the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, in, in their eyes, we have been considered a new faith community. And that basically means that we have been a church plant. And that brought with it some funding and other specialized support, thanks be to God. But as of July 1, we've officially graduated. We did it, Mom, if you're watching. And we're no longer officially considered a new faith community. We're no longer a church plant. We are a church planted. Now, we've been planted. The seeds have been sown. And so that's what got me thinking about this grow local idea because I started to ask the question, okay, so what happens next? What do we do now? Where do we go from here? Now that we've been planted, where do we go from here? And I realized, Jimmy taught me this, I realize that you don't just plant something and leave it and hope for the best, right? You have to care for it. You have to tend to it. You have to water it. Make sure it gets enough sunlight. All the things. And the same is true for us, both as individuals and as a faith community. So at its core, Grow Local, this series is a series about how we tend to what is being planted so that God can give us good growth and depth 
and in breadth. Today, we're beginning the journey by talking about what's been planted. Scripture passage that Jack read for us this morning is from the lectionary, which is the calendar of scriptures that the churches use all around the world on a given Sunday. Uh, we're going to be leaning into the lectionary for the next couple of weeks, and it'll take us to some, some, some surprising places as we root ourselves in scripture. I'm really pumped about it. I'm so excited. It's going to take us some cool places. And today, we find ourselves in Luke's gospel, Luke's narrative retelling of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It might be a story that you've heard before. It's the first uh, two in a series of three parables from Jesus that all culminate in the third parable, the parable of the prodigal son. But here first, we receive the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. The tax collectors and sinners have come near to listen to Jesus, which is something to have both of these groups together, tax collectors and sinners. It implies a diversity among the hearers, one that plays out in each of these two parables, one intended for a specific audience there, each one intended for a specific audience. The religious leaders are nearby as well, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're they're doing that thing that we religious leaders like to do. They're grumbling. I do at least, uh, grumble. Uh, But they're grumbling about how this Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. The horror, the horror. They're beside themselves. That Jesus would create space, make room for these people who uh, are willingly breaking the law and haven't done the work to fix it, haven't worked to make it right. And so in response to their grumbling, Jesus tells them all, These two stories, these two parables, the first one about a shepherd with a flock of a hundred sheep who loses one of them and then chases after it, leaving the other 99 in a relentless pursuit of the one who is lost. When he finds that the shepherd lays it on his shoulders and says, rejoice with me. Once he's gotten home, calls all his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. Let's celebrate for I have found my sheep that was lost. Jesus says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. But then to put an even finer point on it, Jesus offers another parable of a woman with 10 silver coins, each one worth about a day's wage or a half a day's wage, depending on who you ask. But she loses one of them. She loses one of the coins. Jesus asks in that case, what what woman does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors too. She wants to celebrate as well because the coin that she'd lost had been found. It's worth rejoicing. And Jesus says, just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In other words, in other words, you're grumbling about my inclusivity. You're upset about who I've made space for, who I keep company with. These are my people, y'all. This is why I'm here. He puts himself in the shoes of the shepherd and the poor woman as a way of driving the point home that God's extravagant grace and reckless mercy and unfathomable love is for all people, and especially for those who the world might condemn as unworthy. And when that love is implanted and transforms somebody's life, That's worth celebrating. That's what Jesus is getting at here. And that's a profound message 
in and of itself. It's, it's one we preach a lot here at the local church, that God's expansive love is for all, that there's nowhere you can go where God's love is not. And then when a life is changed, transformed, however slightly, by God's grace, that's worth celebrating. That's worth rejoicing with pure, unadulterated joy. And maybe we could end there because that's absolutely good news. But I want to see if we can't bring it a little bit closer to home this morning. Because this story, in many ways, upends our expectations of the way the world is supposed to work. It turns the world on its head as Jesus is prone to do. And not only because of the reversal of expectations about who's in and who's out, who's deserving of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love, we also see an upending, a reversal, when we consider what the shepherd and the woman tell us about how Jesus loves about how he operates, about who he is and what he's about. Because think about the world that we live in, the lives that we lead. I've talked to many of you recently, and I feel this too, who even though this fall season is just getting started, bringing with it the promise of a new and refreshed spirit, that means also school and extracurriculars and all of the things are ramping back up as well. And that means that schedules are more compressed and evenings and weekends are already filling up so quickly. Many of us are spending our days now trying to get more done in less time. And by the way, COVID is still a thing. And then the hard and the heavy hits us out of nowhere. Knocking the wind out of our sails. And we pick ourselves back up. We jump right back on the hamster wheel, back to the grind with all kinds of forces, demanding more and more and more of us. It's like this, just a snapshot. Uh, maybe this is true for you. Y'all know I'm terrible at email. Like we can just get that out of the way there. I'm terrible at email. Y'all know this. Um, I know it about myself. Um, but about once a week or so, once a week, I set uh, aside a good chunk of time to just plow through my inbox, right? And I feel so accomplished when I stand up from my desk. I'm ready to take on whatever's next, but then what happens? Mere hours later, everyone I just emailed has already responded. And I'm back to where I began. It never ends. It never ends. And I end up at the end of the day, just like I did looking for my car key that day. Frustrated, exhausted, just wanting to go to bed. Knowing that what I need is right there in front of me, but I can't quite get to it. And that's because what I want you to notice about this story, don't miss this because this is another one of those reversals, is that no amount of striving or searching on our part will lead us to Jesus. No amount of searching for God will get us any closer. And that's because these parables reveal to us the truth that we've already been found that God has already found us, that you've already been found. And all we have to do is give up to being found, to recognize the ways that we may have become lost to our work, to our heartache, to outside forces that want to claim us, to feeling like we don't have enough time or that we're not enough. And yet what we find here is that Jesus has already found us. He's already found you. 
is with you even now. Put another way, seeds. Seeds have already been planted in you. And this is the good news of the gospel. And I wonder what changes when we come to realize that these seeds of love have already been planted within us, ready to take root, ready to grow for God to give that growth. We don't have to work for them. We can't earn them. Striving will just leave us more frustrated because they're already there. So what would it mean to create space, to make room, to become aware of the seeds that have already been planted within? Perhaps there are seeds of mercy planted when you've encountered forgiveness. Maybe they're seeds of new life, new beginnings when you've overcome a toxic relationship, seeds of justice when you've experienced injustice or encountered harm, perhaps they're seeds of hope when you faced an unimaginable, unconscionable situation of, of heartache or seeds of resilience when the hits just seem to keep coming and you can't catch a break. Seeds of home when you're still not sure that this is the place you belong. Seeds of new possibilities when your faith has crumbled. In each of these ways, in each of these ways, receive this truth that Jesus has already come to you. That those seeds have already been planted. It reminds me of a line I heard once that is apparently either from a Greek poem or a Mexican proverb, according to Google, but it's still, <laughs> still good. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. So then some might say, bloom where you're planted. Here at the local church, we say, love where you are. Love where you are. What seeds have been planted in you? Let's grow local and find out. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, and gardener. Amen. Hey, it's Leah again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are. Thank you.